0: Hi. Good
1: morning, Trinity Church. How are you doing? Yeah. Hey, can we thank the worship team? What a great job today. So good. It's fun, by the way, to hear your voices as you engage. That's our kind of our phrase we use often for worship is being preoccupied with God. So I appreciate that. Now, some of you are here quite often and are like, wait a second. We only sing two songs and Todd's already up. What's going on? Don't worry we're actually going to bring them back out later and it kind of really works with where we're going with our message today and the text that we're looking at so we're really glad you're joining us here in week two of a brand new summer series called playlist i love our um, our tagline to that aligning our responses with the Psalms, that we're gonna find so many things throughout this summer of ways that we're invited to come to God, ways that we're invited to address Him, respond to Him. And so that's my heartbeat and I'm excited to get to be back with you. Hilke did an amazing job kicking off this series last week and now we get to kinda move forward a little bit more. If you have a Bible today, book Bible, electronic Bible, if you wanna open it to Psalm chapter 13, Psalm chapter 13. If you're here today as a guest, I want to especially welcome you. We're glad you're here and hope that um, there's things that we can do in the future to be a further help to you. And just glad that you're here, a part of our, our weekend, and glad that you made this a priority in your weekend. I want to tell you, I've been at Forest Home over the last couple of weeks and uh, really enjoyed a uh, role up there. They call it Pastor in Residence. And basically, I just get to be a pastor to families that are there from all over Southern California, Central California, Arizona. And it's been a great time. Uh, We are pooped Uh, doing that two weeks in a row. We're a little shot. Uh, Last year when I did that, I told you I came back. I got locked in my own bathroom. Didn't happen this year, so I was really excited about that. We did some great opportunities, though, to partner not only with Forest Home, but others that have actually become friends of ours at Trinity. Eric Taunas was our evening speaker week one, and Eric came here in March. High school students, he's gonna be with you at Hume San Diego in about a month, and you're absolutely gonna love just sitting to hear him bring. God's Word on a daily basis. So we just loved getting time with him and his family. Justin Unger was here leading worship with us a couple weeks ago. We got that full week with him and his family as well. So I love those partnerships that are developing, not just to be friendships with me, but even hopefully a blessing to Trinity Church. And um, we look forward to more of that in the future. Well, what we're doing today as we dive into the series, if you have a, a set of notes in your Trinity this week, if you want to get those out, have those ready to go, we'll... Um, We'll be using those today. That'll help us track a little bit better together. What I want you to see throughout this series, there's really some big ideas. One is I want you to see that the people of God are a a praying and a singing people. The people of God are a praying and singing people, and the Psalms are evidence of that. The Psalms, whether they be prayers just crying out to God in, in either suffering or praise, or songs that even God's people have been singing literally for millennia, They are a place where we realize God intends us to respond to him and even helps us know how to do that well. What I also want you to see is that as we look this summer, we intentionally did this series what we call kind of standalone messages. You won't come over the summer and think, oh, I don't know where we're at, I missed it last weekend. I don't know, every week's just gonna be a new Psalm and we'll see the truth and the ideas that are there. And as we do that, what we're gonna find is we're gonna find that the Psalms are written for us. They're written for us to be able to find ourselves in them. I love that phrase because what you'll see is, even today, you'll see a new way of identifying with these words that God gave David so long ago. We'll be able to connect with and realize, man, these are my words. This is the way that I was thinking, I was feeling at that time. And you'll see that week to week throughout. And so our heartbeat is this, is that we would be a people who don't just see those same expressions, but we would begin to align. We would begin to think and feel the the heartbeat of God in the situations that we face. And we look forward to seeing the different ways that we can respond throughout. When I was talking to a search team about Trinity Church about two and a half years ago, I remember one thing that rightfully came up numerous times was, tell us a little bit about your devotional life. And I was, like in every area, we were honest. And I'd just been, prior to that, about six months out, I'd been in a real dry season. And just was trying to find ways to connect with God in a fresh way. And and what God led me to was something I'd wanted to do for my own personal sake, but also in a pastoral lens when I counsel people, was that I always wanted, it's kind of a nerdy thing, but I wanted to kind of categorize the Psalms. So what I began to do is I just began to read two or three psalms a day, and I would create categories as I would go, and, and sometimes the categories, were just real obvious the psalm fit there, and other categories, it was kind of like, the psalm doesn't really fit anywhere, but I'll make up a category for it. We printed those out, and we have them available for you today. If they would be helpful to you, uh, there's a bit of a typo on one, but don't worry about that. You can read Paul, Paul's and it works just the same as psalms. <laughs> uh, Some of you are looking even at your Bible today, and what's psalms in the first place? So... But these are available at the Welcome Center. They're, they're not academic. They're just simply out of my devotional time. But if it would help you, because this is what I found. I would be talking to people about issues, and in my mind I'm saying, oh, man, there's a psalm for that. There's a psalm that resonates your situation and what your heartbeat could be. And I couldn't remember. There's 150 to choose from. So i thought well if i would put them in categories based on themes i could get to them a lot quicker so it's available for you if you'd like it if it help you no problem if not let's take a look at kind of our now what idea today what are we talking about god welcomes see that today god welcomes your sorrow confusion and fear when you honestly come to him and lament we'll kind of uh, define that term in just a minute but god welcomes these emotions and feelings and thoughts Your sorrow, confusion, and fear when you honestly come to him and lament. I want to start in a very dangerously controversial way today. I don't have three points for you. (laughs) If you've been around with us the last couple of years, you know like every week's got three points. Today doesn't. So that means it could be all kinds of crazy. You never know. But I almost felt like what would happen is if we kind of put Psalm 13 into three tidy points, we really rob its emotion. I think we'd even rob its power because what we're going to see today is that this psalm is gut level, heart wrenching, and it's truly and just from such an incredibly raw place that it's really hard to give it designations, but just to try to read it, see it and see what God has for us. Here's what i want you to do you have this sheet in in front of you i encourage you to do something look at the first line it says write a basic description of a time when your prevailing thoughts and feelings were either of deep sorrow confusion or fear you see this is what i want to do today i'm not just doing this randomly i really want you to realize today that you resonate with psalm 13. for some of us the way things are going in this particular season you're relatively fine And so if you just hear the words of Psalm 13 today, I think it's gonna kind of bounce off as though I don't really relate, I don't know what you're talking about. I'd also say if you're here today and, and you've never really groaned, then these words might be a little bit of what to anticipate in the future. But my feeling, my hunch, is that most of us can do that. Most of us have been through a time Maybe it was the time that you'd been unemployed for a season and you just thought, God, when is this going to change? Maybe it was the time when you got the diagnosis and all you could begin to do was anticipate all the types of changes that were going to happen in your life. For me, on my sheet, if I was writing it down today, I'd just simply write two words. I'd write, Mom, dying. It'd be that simple. And you don't need a lot. You know your life story. You know your experiences. That's why it doesn't need three lines to write it out. But I want you to think about that. And for me, when I think about that time with my mom, I, I noticed that I didn't say mom's death. Death liberated her from six months of cancer ravaging her body. And my mom absolutely loved Jesus. And I knew in the moment that she died, every promise he'd ever made to her was being actualized. That was a day actually of rejoicing but it was watching that steady decline over those six months that was absolutely brutal more so for her but also for me so i want you to do that i want you to take a minute to write down a couple things or write down a a description of a time or a season in your life where you just the basic idea and i remember that time it didn't matter what was going on in my life My kids had birthdays during that time. Christmas happened during that time. It didn't matter. The prevailing thought and feeling was, God, this hurts. I want you to write about a time like that. And as you're writing that, then I want you to think about a couple of things. What were the emotions that were going on? What were the thoughts that were going through your head? You see, some of you don't have to think very hard because you're in it. What were that what was that like? And as you do that, think of this question too. What were your thoughts about God during that time? You see, some of you went through a season like you've already written down and You'd already related to God. You made a, re- a commitment to him. You responded to the gospel. You were in his family. So your thoughts about God were of one nature. Some of us, when we went through the thing we wrote down, we weren't in the family of God yet. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're not. You haven't responded to this invitation of forgiveness and love and mercy, but you would probably still have some thoughts about God nonetheless. I even think about your posture when you were going through that season. It probably wasn't one of strength and confidence. It was probably more like flat on the floor or huddled up in a ball, just trying to keep it together and not doing well with that. You see, I have a feeling that as David was writing these words that we'll look at today, Psalm chapter 13, I have a feeling that that was his state. Emotionally, thoughtfully, physically, huddled in a ball in the corner. Where he was between in the sequence of seasons of fear and confusion, he had maybe even Maybe this whole psalm, all six verses, it's short, were written in such a short amount of time because it was even in between when he could get a gasp of breath and simply say, God, this is where I'm at. You see, I want you to think about a time when you went through something like that. And what you're gonna find today is you're gonna find that God included Psalm 13 for you. He included it as a time where you can relate and you can understand and maybe even today we'll find could give you words. Let's look at it, Psalm chapter 13, verse one. See these words of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? We're looking at what Bible scholars today call a psalm of lament. Let's define that term in your notes. We define lament as a raw expression of grief, regret or confusion. A raw expression of grief, regret or confusion. It's guttural. It's just saying, God, I have no pretense. I'm not trying to polish this up. I'm not trying to put some wax on it. This is where I am and I hurt. It's interesting that, that words of lament or Psalms of lament are actually all over the Bible. They begin back in the books of history, the front end of your Bible. They continue obviously to the Psalms. If you look in your notes and that, those categories of Psalms I told you that I had been working on, the, these are the ones that I found and you'll see them listed by number just for a quick reference. You do the math That's 41 41 Psalms are at least in part categorized as songs or Psalms of lament here I'm not great at math, but here's what that looks like almost one third of the Psalms Are Psalms of lament Psalms of confusion Psalms of frustration Psalms of fear God When will this stop? If you didn't know that people talk like that to God, if you didn't know that people could bring honest words of lament, at least see them in the ratio of the book of Psalms, almost one-third of them are people crying out to God. Jesus himself, by the way, the Psalms don't just finish, or the lament lament doesn't just finish in the Psalms. The whole book of lamentations, is one giant lament to God, what has happened to us? All throughout the prophets are words of lament and the gospels themselves. Jesus spoke words of lament. He was in the garden in Mark chapter 14. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And just one chapter later, he would actually quote a psalm of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows. Jesus knows what it is to feel separated from God and not know how this is going to work out, not know if God's going to save the day. Now, in this psalm, as we begin it, we don't even know what the issue is. David just goes right to it. This is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm hurt. This is how I'm confused. We don't know what the issue is. We just know the angst and the turmoil that he's in. I was thinking about the series that we finished not too long ago, looking at Joseph in the book of Genesis. We call that series, Hold On, Clinging to Jesus When the Bottom Drops Out. And as we were looking at that, remember that the narrative of of Joseph just kept going from bad to worse. Each week was a new level of challenge that he was facing. And all we really get from Genesis, except for maybe one point, is just the flow, like the storyline, like you're just reading what happened. But, but I wonder, I just as we were studying this week, I was wondering, would these have been, today the words of Psalm 13, would they have resonated with the heart of Joseph saying, how long, God? Where are you? Please deliver. I want you to see this morning if you identify with some of the thoughts and feelings that David is communicating. How long? is how it begins. How long, Lord? When you were going through the season that you identified on your sheet, did you struggle with impatience and just wanting all of the hurt to end now? That's probably universal in the room. Will you forget me forever? What, just listen to the strength of that language. Will you forget me forever? It's as though David doesn't even know who God is. The creator of the universe, the lover of his soul would never forget him, and definitely not forever. But did you feel like that? Did you feel like God wasn't paying attention, that he was taking a nap, that he wasn't seeing what you were going through? You know, it's interesting, you read that language, it's very, you have to realize we're reading poetry, we're reading lyrics to a song, we're reading a prayer. You might kind of put that in the category. Well, David was just using kind of poetic language. Well, let me ask you this. When you were going in through the middle of what you've identified on that sheet today, did you not sense that God is never gonna fix this? God is never gonna show up. He's never gonna right the wrong. And I have a feeling that that verbiage is in there, even on your typical day, if you're here today and you walked in the door and everything's hunky-dory, then you would hear that and you'd go, well, God, you would never forget me forever. But when you were in the valley, is that what you were thinking? And my hunch is at some point probably yes. I'm grateful those words are there because you and I can identify with them. How long will you hide your face from me? Look at that. Even the activeness of God to actively hide when we are in despair. That's what David was sensing and feeling. Did it seem that God was elusive and wasn't making himself known? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? When you were in deep despair, track back to that moment. Realize some of the things that were going through your mind. They were pure craziness. Of the types of things that you would not just have flash through your mind, but even hang around for a while, begin to dwell on, and you realize, that can't be true, there's no way that's th- the thing to think about. But they were there nonetheless, because you were in a place of deep hurt. And day after day, have sorrow in my heart. When you were going through the thing that you identified on that sheet, did you feel as though you would never again be emotionally stable? Never again be whole. I have a feeling you did. And now all of a sudden, just in the first two verses of this psalm, we realize that we're finding ourselves here. These were our words. These were our feelings. These were our thoughts. We just didn't know David had the audacity to say them to God because I wanna challenge you with that today. When you were going through the thing you've identified, did you bring this kind of raw emotion and thought to God or did you think, God, I'm not allowed to? God, this is crossing the line. Because my words, they're not filled with perseverance and praise, but rather doubt and discouragement, I dare not bring them to you because that's not what a good Christian does. First off, know a couple things David knew. David knew that God already knew his thoughts and feelings. There was nothing hidden. But also realize David's example to us. All the words that you and I just read, all the things that we just started processing, David plainly put to God. Well, maybe not plainly, maybe very emotionally. But the point is David knew he had an invitation to bring to God his hurt. David knew he had an invitation to tell God how it really was. And that's really a big idea today. I want you to see that. Look in your notes. You can bring your sorrow, your confusion, your fear to God in raw honesty, partly due to the fact that David did. And David left an example of how we can pour out our hearts in genuine despair when that's where we are. That's the kind of alignment that we're talking about today is saying, God, you gave permission to me through David to be able to say, this is where I'm at, this is where I hurt. This example of the psalm should give you a sense of understanding that even when I know what I'm feeling and thinking isn't right, I can still bring it to God. Maybe the other reason why you could feel that sense of entrance, that sense of invitation to come before God, is also based on the fact that for many of us in this room today, you know him as father. You've responded to the gospel. What's beautiful about the gospel, it's not just being forgiven from your sins, it's also being included into God's family. So you know him to be your heavenly father, your good, good father, not just some impersonal cosmic force. And so now let's change gears, see it through a new lens. Think of you parents in the room. Think of the way that your kids relate to you. And and think about when they're in despair. Whether you have a two-year-old or a 17-year-old, you know the look of despair on faces. And imagine them coming to you (coughs) in this despair. You would want them to. You would want them to come so you could talk about it, so you could maybe help them. And as they came to you, think of the different types of ways they could come. There's a whole category of what I would just say are very unhealthy ways to approach a parent. You see this look of despair on your child's face and you ask him, what's wrong? Nothing. (laughs) Well, tone and body language would say something else. You can tell that your child's in despair. You ask him, what's wrong? This is your fault. Probably not a healthy way to approach mom and dad. You ask your child, what's wrong? Crickets, crickets, crickets. Just the icy blast. None of those, they are responses. They are responses that a child could give a parent, but none of them are healthy, but watch this. There is a healthy response that you as a parent would appreciate. There is a healthy response that you as a parent would welcome, and it would be things like this. It would be things when they look at you even with tears in their eyes, and they speak in honesty, and they say, why aren't you intervening? When will this stop? Do you care? Those words said in true just vulnerability and honesty, any parent would receive. Yeah, you'd recognize the heartbeat, you'd recognize the deep anguish therein, but you would say, I can respond to that. I can hear that. How much greater, if we as parents can receive that from our kids, how much greater can the creator of the universe, our Heavenly Father, receive that from us? And that's what David's helping us with today. Now, you noted at the beginning of our time today, as we've kind of walked or walking down the journey, you noted a season or experience that really caused you to be in a place of great sorrow or confusion or fear. We haven't found that yet in this song. We just know David's emotions and his thoughts, but we don't know why they're there. Let's continue on and we'll see what the issue was. Psalm 13, the second half of verse two, how long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fail. Now, back to the issue that you wrote down or you've been thinking about today, there's probably a bit of a disconnect. It most likely wasn't the time when someone was chasing you to kill you. Now, there might be a few, that might be, but generally speaking... That wasn't the issue that you were writing down today, that you were thinking about. This is the issue of this Psalm. David has enemies who are on hot pursuit and they don't wanna just trap him, they want to kill him. That's why sometimes when we read in parts of the Bible, especially books like Psalms, and we actually see what the catalyst is for the issue, the emotions, we don't connect. God, I've had some people strongly dislike me, but never hate me to that degree. I CAN'T EVEN RELATE TO THIS ISSUE OF HAVING ENEMIES WHO ARE MURDEROUS AND WANT TO SURROUND ME AND TAKE MY LIFE. BUT ACTUALLY, MAYBE YOU DO. MAYBE YOU CAN RELATE A LITTLE BIT MORE THAN YOU THOUGHT. YOU SEE, THROUGH A BIBLICAL LENS WE UNDERSTAND THAT EVERY SINGLE HUMAN BEING IS MADE IN THE IMAGE OF GOD. EVERY HUMAN BEING HAS THE ABILITY OF BEING REDEEMED SO NO OTHER person can truly be an enemy so long as they could ultimately be a brother or a sister but what we believe the bible teaches is there is one enemy who's behind all of that he may use people as pawns but the Bible's really clear you have an enemy you have an enemy whether you're in the family of god or not because you are the highest version of what god created god made you in his image, and said it's good. Satan is out to get you. Satan truly is the enemy that you can identify with when you read scripture. And Peter, to the New Testament church, he wrote about a bloodthirsty enemy who surrounded them and wanted to take their lives. First Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You can relate to the enemies in scripture because you have one who is much more powerful much more cunning than any enemy that david faced i want you to notice as well david's posture in the midst of this psalm he's identified the problem it's he's being chased down for his life he's identified the emotions and the hurt and the confusion he's feeling but i really want you to see this he's also making a real clear statement about the nature of who god is he calls him my Lord and my God. He doesn't call him some cosmic impersonal force. He doesn't call him the big guy upstairs. He says, God, you are my everything. You are my refuge. You are my strength. The only one I can look to in the midst of this dilemma is you. Some of you are here today. And, and you have right now, and I'm going to say you have a theology. Don't hear that as well. I've never been to Bible college. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you have a theology. You have a way of thinking about God. You have a theology that if you're just going to be honest for a moment today, you would say, yeah, I'm not really sure that God can deliver me from this thing that I'm in right now. Or even looking backwards, God, I called out to you to whatever degree I knew how. You didn't change anything. I don't know if you're truly as powerful and strong as you say. If you're just honest, that would be your theology related to God's sovereignty and his power. I would say to you today, if you're there, number one, I'd appreciate it even if you were honest enough to be able to say that. Like, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I just want to put out to you this. The Bible depicts the God we're talking about today as the creator of the universe. He, He literally spoke into existence everything that you could ever take in. How could he be too weak to take care of you? I would encourage you, rethink that. Rethink of his nature, his character, and see confidence there. For others of us, we have a different theology of that. We would say, no, God is strong enough. God is powerful enough. I lean into that. I believe it. The problem is, is he takes too long. Or I sense within a sequence he never showed up. So your theology would be God is strong enough, but maybe he doesn't care. God is strong enough, but he wasn't paying attention in my time of need. And I would say to you today, if that's your theology, if you have an understanding that nothing gets into your life that doesn't first go through the sovereign grid of God, then just because he's late on your timetable doesn't mean he's not paying attention. Just because he didn't deliver to the degree and the way that you'd hoped doesn't mean that he's still not after something much better than you could have even expected if you would have gotten your way. I would encourage you in the fact that maybe God hasn't or didn't respond in the way you'd wanted him to, don't see that as a lack of love or lack of protection. And i want you to see this morning how david resolves all of these intense thoughts and feelings he's not just theoretically wondering he's literally on the run from people trying to kill him and he's saying god if you don't show up it's over i'm done i want you to see how he resolves these things i want you to see where he goes in his head where he goes in his heart and where he goes in his hands because he has a very active response and I want you to see that the pattern, what he, what he chooses to do, is actually very similar to patterns that we've been seeing at Trinity Church this calendar year. If you'll remember, Larry was leading us at our family service back on, in December of 2017, the last Sunday of the year. And the, the, the focus of that morning was paying attention to our stacks of rocks, seeing the ways that God has been faithful in the midst of the challenges that we have faced, in the midst of the the great things to celebrate, we wrote down our list, we looked backwards and we saw God's goodness. We're gonna see today, that's exactly what David does. He looks backwards and he sees the faithfulness of God. Look how the Psalm finishes, verses five and six. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing of the Lord's praise and why, for he, has been good to me. This Psalm might end a little bit odd for you, a little unexpected, because it's been very guttural throughout. David's been raw, he's questioned, God, why aren't you showing up? He's identified the issue, people are trying to kill me. But he ends it with, but God, I trust you because of your goodness. And I'm gonna do these very active things to demonstrate my trust in you. I'm gonna choose to do those things. Now, here's part of the problem. You have people in your relational world. We talk a lot at Trinity Church about being a people who are rooted in Jesus and reaching our worlds. And you have a relational world, and here's the interesting thing. When you are truly, when you really identify those 8 to 15 in your life, you realize that you can't hide moments like these from them because they're doing life with you. They might live under your own roof. They might be people that you are co-workers with or neighbors or extended family members, friends. These are people you could not hide it from. And you are going through or you have been through things that they are looking and watching. And they are realizing, man, this is brutal what they're facing. They might have even had, those who don't know the Lord, they might have even had thoughts. Well, he or she, they say they love Jesus, nothing's changing for them. All their prayers aren't amounting to anything. And you honestly walk through the valley and they're seeing all the realities that you're facing. You might even in a moment of transparency say, I am whooped and I don't know how this is gonna end. But yet somehow in the middle of that conversation, you are able with great confidence to say, but I believe that God is gonna work this out. They look at you and they go, what? You're experiencing things far worse than I ever have. How on earth can you have this Pollyanna-ish red colored, what was that phrase? Red." Rose-colored window, thank you. Rose-colored glasses. How can you look at things as though it's all just gonna button up and be great? And here's what you know. You look back, as bad as things are in what you're going through, you look back on a Jesus who hung on a cross in your place in an empty tomb where he conquered death. And you look forward, and you look forward to the promise that he's made to you That when you've responded to him you'll spend forever with him in eternity looking backwards and forwards you can say you can say with great confidence words that at times can seem so trite but still so true we know that in all things what doesn't fit in that category we know in all things god works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose we know that no matter what we're going through, it's not the worst that can happen. It's not the worst that will ever be faced because Jesus already beat that. My greatest fear, your greatest fear, he already conquered at the cross. And you were able to have hope. I, I, often we go right to Romans eight twenty-eight, but I want to read a little bit to you as we close, say the words just above it words that often get overlooked. Look how it begins, Romans eight eighteen, Paul writing to church, I consider our present sufferings. He's not blind. He's not so aloof that he doesn't know what's going on. We're suffering, but they're not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope, look at this, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. Look at these words. Groaning is in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And not just creation, but we ourselves, we who even have the first fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit of God resides in us, yet, watch, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly, I'd write those words down because they are powerful. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, this specific hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In Psalm 13, David was able to go back. No matter how challenging the situation was, he was able to go back and see God's goodness. Been able to see God's faithfulness. Been able to see the other times. We don't know. When you look at the narrative of David's life, where does Psalm 13 actually happen? We really don't know. We just know it's from him. Was it when he was newly um, anointed by God to be the king of Israel and on the run from Saul? Was it when he was fighting God's enemies, the Philistines? When it was when he finally became king and he was leading Israel against other nations? Was it even his own son who was out to kill him? We don't know who this particular enemy was, but there were plenty of times that David not only knew trouble, but also knew God's salvation, knew his rescue, He must have come to some realization. God, you have provided and protected so many times before. How could I be anxious and fearful in this situation when I've experienced your goodness when I was in desperate need? Like the song that we sometimes sing, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. I love this line, you've never failed me yet. I don't want you to miss a really important part of David's response as we close today. I want you to see the active way he responds to God in the midst of his dilemma. In your notes, he chooses, David chooses to respond to God's goodness in overt ways while he's huddled up in a ball in the dark. I want you to see that. Not only does he feel all the raw intensity of what he's going through, but he chooses, he makes a willful choice, God, I am going to do these things no matter if my circumstances change or not. Look what he does. I trust in your unfailing love. This isn't theory, but active belief. It's the kind of trust that says to those people out on the trapeze, you're coming off the one rope and you let go. And you're trusting that those other set of hands are there waiting for you. That's the kind of trust David's talking about. I trust in that kind of love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. That's just not mental assent. Yes, I'm really happy about it. No, it, it, it turns into expressions of who you are. For the very few times that my UCLA Bruins win a close game, <laughs> I rejoice. And everybody in a city block knows it. (laughs) Because there's exuberance, there's joy, there's things coming out of my mouth that are happy things. My body's moving, I'm excited, I'm rejoicing in the goodness. How much better, better than my Bruins, is rejoicing in the goodness of God. And finally, I will sing the Lord's praises. It's a very active thing. You, You can't sing just standing there actively doing so, and I'm excited for us today. I told you earlier that our worship team's coming back out. That's how we're going to finish our service today and give you a chance to respond in song to the goodness of God. Look at our now what statement. God welcomes your sorrow, confusion, and fear when you honestly come to him in lament. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today as we have been looking at this psalm that is so raw, this psalm that is so honest, this psalm that in so many ways captures what we have thought, what we have felt, and in some ways God has given us great license today because we didn't know that these are things that we could bring to you. We didn't know that we were available to express ourselves in this kind of way. And so we thank you for what Psalm 13 teaches us. We thank you, God, for the expression that David had and how that enables us today to come to you in that kind of same place of sorrow, confusion, hurt, fear. But know that you can receive that. God, know that you are big enough for that. My prayer is today that if you're here and you haven't yet responded to the true essence, the goodness of God and the gospel, that you would, A, admit that you're a sinner who needs a Savior. You would, B, believe that Jesus is the only Savior available, and you would see you choose. Choose to say, Jesus, I trust, not in myself, not in my religion, not in my morality. I trust what you did at the cross, and I choose to follow you with my life make that decision even here today and begin to know this good good father we've talked about we love you father thank you so much for your love for us and we pray in jesus great name amen i'm going to finish this more or finish at least the message we have some more songs after this with some words that are so very in tune with what we've sung today you'll even see words that are verbatim of what we've said in psalm 13 You're not going to be wowed by my voice. (laughs) I'm going to keep my day job. But I do want you to sing with me. If you know the words or if you want to learn them partway through, let this be your song today.
0: you care for me. Hear my plea. Are you even listening? Lord, I wrestle Of my laments, I have faith. Yes, I still. you a love song